Next Talk contains content of a mature nature. Parental guidance is advised. Welcome to Next Talk Radio with Mandy and Kim on AM630 The Word. Mandy is the author of Talk, and Kim is the director of Next Talk, a nonprofit organization helping parents cyber parent through open communication. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find our video series and subscribe to our weekly podcast at nexttalk.org. Are you ready for the next talk? Today we're talking about how we can all play a part in the fight to end sexual exploitation. Man, that is a big mission right there. Mm -hmm. You guys may remember in 2018, we went to Washington, Mm D.C. to a conference with the National Center for Sexual Exploitation, the global summit that they did. We learned so much, first of all. And we made a lot of contacts. Mm -hmm. And since then, we have been part of their preventative task force. It's called the Safeguard Alliance, made up of a lot of global organizations that are on the preventative side of sexual exploitation. But today, we have a guest from the National Center on Sexual Exploitation because they do a lot more than just the preventative piece that we are a part of. Absolutely. And so we want to talk about their big mission and really how they're changing the world. And so Jake Robertson is here. He is the creative director and PR manager. Jake, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive in here. Sure. Well, I, uh, you already talked about what I do with the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, but that is what I've done for several years now in other organizations. I spent half a decade leading digital, creative, and social media marketing at a nonprofit called Focus on the Family, and, oh, yes. and so I've just really poured myself and my career into learning what it means to connect people through uh, causes and the organizations that fight these causes and how we best uh, connect on that human level and bring people together to affect change. Love that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on a personal level, uh, you know, I've been married over uh, almost 11 years now. My wife and I have four young kids, nine, seven, five, and three. So we're in the thick of this parenting thing mm-hmm. ourselves and, and figuring out what it looks like to, to raise a family and to raise, um, you know, kids into adults who can operate in, you know, sort of this new world that has been created for them. It's so scary as a parent, and I love when I when we meet other organizations that, you know, like our world changers. Like, here you are. You've poured your life into working at Focus on the Family and now um, National Center on Sexual Exploitation, which in short is called NICOSI, right? That's how you pronounce right. that. Um, yep. and, and here you are saying, you know, you've poured your life into this, and you're saying it's a whole new world as a parent. And I think that's Absolutely. you see it through a different lens once you're parenting it, don't you? Oh, yeah, for sure, because, you know, so much of we know about humanity and human thinking is self-focused, and, uh, but kids force a, di- force a different lens on us. We can't afford to be so navel-gazing as we could maybe get away with accidentally before having kids. Not that kids are the only way of forcing that, but they're such a powerful and instantaneous way of forcing that lens on us as human beings and um, making us think about what what kind of world are we shaping for the next generation? You know, those, those thoughts don't come naturally to us, and um, parenting is a pretty powerful way of pushing us there. Well, and so many times I just want to go live on a remote island because it's just so overwhelming. <laughs> it's overwhelming, yeah. right, as a parent? 
and you just want to bubble wrap and you're like, I don't want my kid to see this world. But, you know, I've got a 15 year old and a, and a 12 year old and they've seen their fair share way more than I knew when I was a kid. Absolutely. And, you know, we found it just extremely important on this preventative piece to have that healthy dialogue, that open communication where we're constantly talking to them about the difficult subjects. Um, and that's not easy to get them to open up. No, it's not, but it's the only thing that we can do because as much as the temptation to to isolate and to get away from it all is, is powerful and pretty attractive, you know, it's just not realistic and it's not helpful. And, you know, because what are we meant to do? Are we meant to run away and just, you know, take care of ourselves? Or are we meant to, to push into people and community and take care of others? And um, I think it's the latter, and we can't do that very well if we're kind of creating this isolationist mindset in our kids. And so um, I think just the fact that parents continue to push in, that we wake up each and every day and try again through the failures, through the mess, you know, that's one of the biggest examples we can set for our kids is that no matter how crazy this world gets, no matter how, you know, how tempted we are to remove ourselves or to be discouraged, that we keep going back into the fray with them, with others, day after day. I love how you put that. It's kind of a summary of our of our mission. <laughs> but kind of returning back to Nicosi and our experience with going to the Global Summit, we deal with these subjects every day and others, and we were in shock after this summit. There were things we learned that we hadn't heard about in technology um, beyond what we had an understanding of. And so we left with more of a fire for what we do. And I can only imagine the same goes for you. But we want to share that a little bit with our listeners, how we can all play a part in fighting to end sexual exploitation, which I think is a good place for us to start. Maybe you can define exactly what does that even mean? Well, it's as broad and as succinct as saying that sexual exploitation is any actual or attempted abuse of a position of vulnerability, differential power, and trust, and or trust for sexual purposes. So that can look like child sexual abuse. That can look like uh, sex trafficking, like prostitution. Um, you know, even the pornography industry is built on these abuses and attempted abuses of power and trust and vulnerability. Um, so it's, it's everything from that abuse of a child um, to the trafficking of humans. And again, even into the porn and prostitution industries where there are so many examples, uh, myriad examples of how these industries use um, power, they use trust or, you know, abuse of trust to trick people into being exploited, to manipulate people into being exploited. I mean, you can look at, there's a, a law uh, lawsuit right now where uh, almost two dozen women are um, exposing how this pornography company tricked and manipulated and coerced them into appearing in pornographic content. And so that's an example, just one of many examples of ways that these industries that we don't haven't maybe historically thought of as sexual exploitation because they try so hard to position themselves as liber, you know, uh, libertarian and you know, free speech and all that, but they're actually exploiting people sexually. I think that's a trend that I see often is, you know, um, the free speech here and, and yeah. coming up against that when, um, well, you know, we 
we have the right to produce a video with two people having sex if they want to. But I think what, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the research and work that you guys are doing are showing in a lot of times, most cases, it is that manipulative factor that is happening. It's not really two people wanting to do that. Or it's a mindset that's been manipulated or um, like a picture that's been painted of a, of a great lifestyle that's not actually going to be a great career path. Right. Yeah, we we strongly believe that pornography exploits both the performers and the viewers mm-hmm. because the performers are, it's very dubious what amount of consent is involved, and oftentimes it's even they're even qualifying as sex trafficking victims, and their bodies are being commoditized and abused on the job. That's very normal. But then on the viewer side, you know, the research shows that pornography has led to shifts in the neurological and psychological development of viewers of any age, especially those that are exposed as children and how that affects their physical and psychological and neurological development. Um, and so, you know, just across the board, it's a form of sexual exploitation from those that are uh, performing it and those that are viewing it. You know, as Mandy mentioned before, we're more on the preventative side of this. Um, what really is the mission for Nicosi? What is it that you all are hoping to do in changing this world? Yeah, so we see ourselves as um, being dedicated to the eradication of sexual abuse and exploitation in all of its forms. And as such, we look at the broad range of these exploitative industries and how they're interconnected with one another so that we can come up and advocate for and um, create allies in the fight against exploitation across the board. Because what happens uh, in the fight is that there's a lot of siloing where there's individualized and specialized uh, sectors Mm -hmm. of these networks and resources, and they're, they're doing really good work. But a lot of what gets missed is the intersectionality of the abuse and exploitation issues between these industries. And, um, and so what we do is we want to educate and unite all these different silos of work, as well as the general public, and then mobilize us uh, as a movement towards making corporate and legislative change that actually undercuts and pulls, you know, the the plug economically, legally, at corporate levels uh, on the money and the laws that uh, enable and oftentimes even benefit these exploitive industries. So beyond just the preventative, we want to unite the movement to cut off sexually exploitive industries at the knees. So everything from porn to um, prostitution and uh, all these in demand and all how all these things fuel child abuse, um, and other forms of sexual abuse. So we're looking at that holistic picture um, in order to take on the industry as a whole. One thing I learned at the Global Summit was, you know, in my mind, sex traffic is you a child gets kidnapped, right? And then they right. get sold into sex. The one thing that I just hadn't thought about when I when we went to the Global Summit was kids being sex trafficked from their bedrooms, so there, you know, and, and, and that was presented in a way. And then actually we've had some cases pop up mm-hmm. with our next talk organization um, where, you know, we're seeing the manipulation that's happening behind the scenes, you know, where kids are on these platforms like Roblox or something like that. And, a, you know, the profile picture pops up and it looks like a 12 year old kid that they're communicating with. Mm-hmm. But it's really literally a sex trafficking pimp. 
and they're trying right. to establish that relationship. They're trying to get the kid to do something bad, you know, like say an F word or say he hates his parents mm-hmm. or whatever. Catch them in a situation where then it's like you got to send me a picture of yourself naked. You know, it's a, it's that form of manipulation where it literally could evolve into a kid being trafficked from their bedroom. Like turn on your webcam right. every night from this time to this time or I'm going to text your parents these pictures that you've now sent me. Um, yeah. And I think that is where uh, the preventative piece is so important because we got to be talking to our kids. Mm-hmm. And we also have to be the place that if they do accidentally send something, they don't get caught up in that manipulation. You know, if they send a nude photo that they feel comfortable coming to us and saying, Mom, I did this. It was the wrong thing. But they can see the manipulation taking place. I think that's such a great piece of the preventative that the Global Summit really brought it together in my mind for that. Absolutely. Um, it's such a, a huge point um, for parents to be aware of that this happens, like you said, on forums for things like Roblox. It happens on Instagram and Snapchat. You know, we've met with um, you know t- young teenagers, 15-year-old survivors of trafficking in Washington, D.C., and they showed us their Instagram accounts and how they were getting dozens of unsolicited messages from adult men every every week. And, you know, and, and, and from these cute boy accounts and other examples, you know, there's, there's many different ways that, um, you know, these traffickers, these exploiters try to get in um, and then blackmail them into this. And so there's the preventative piece with the parents, but something big we're working on to be uh, a resource to parents and hopefully help make this fight easier for parents is actually um, a push right now called uh, fixed app ratings because one of the big problems that we have with these forums or with these apps like Snapchat and Instagram, um, you know, now TikTok, is that um, there is no accountability for the tech companies that are making these apps nor for Google or Apple and their app stores that forces them to accurately uh, rate and um, a, you know uh, segment off their apps for younger users because our laws are outdated and give immunity to these tech companies, and so these apps are rated for kids you know that are way too young to understand how to be using them properly and to be stewarding them properly, and then there's and then when these app, and then the tech companies themselves have no reason to build in, you know, the right as far as their financial incentive goes or legal incentive goes to build in protections for the kids that are on their apps. And so you have, you know, apps like Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok that these really young kids are using and open themselves up to sextortion and pornography and sex trafficking and uh, stuff like that. And there's nothing, you know, parents right now can do to put any of that pressure or accountability. And so, we're working with several allies, um, and you can check it out at fixappratings.com, but we're working to uh, create legislation um, that will force better accountability for these tech companies so that they actually have to put in the effort to better protect kids from this, the very type of sextortion and trafficking that you were describing. Um, we think that that will help parents have another tool in their toolbox uh, as they help raise kids to to avoid this stuff and to become defenders of human rights. If you're just now tuning in, this is Next Talk Radio at 2 p.m. on AM 630, The Word. Next Talk Radio is sponsored in part by PAX Financial Group and listeners just like you. Everything we do at our nonprofit to keep kids safe online is accomplished through your donations. To support our organization, go to nexttalk.org and click on Give. 
There's big news if you are an investment client of USAA. Just recently, USAA announced that a Cleveland, Ohio corporation has entered into an agreement to purchase USAA Asset Management. They have always been an exceptional organization and will continue to serve our community well. But if you are considering a change, this might be the right time to look at San Antonio's PAX Financial Group. 210-881-5700, paxfinancialgroup.com. Investment advisory services offered through PAX Financial Group. We have Jake Robertson here with the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, um, and we covered a lot of stuff in the beginning. And you know, we were just talking—you were just talking about the Fix App Ratings campaign. And this is why I love what you guys are doing because I saw this kind of come together as a collaborative effort with the preventative side, this Safeguard Alliance. Um, because one thing we were seeing is on these apps, you know, my kid could be playing a nine plus app that I vetted and I feel like is safe, but up pops an ad for with literally it was two men in bed together. And um, I started doing screenshots and sending them to Don, which is your, your coworker over there. Um, but what, that's what I love about what you guys are doing because, and she, she took it seriously and was like, we got to add in the ad component and make sure that it, that it, that it gets fixed too, is because you guys are listening to all of the people that you're bringing together and making sure we're fixing the right thing. And I love that about you guys and your mission. You're kind of the umbrella. I think that's the way you described it. Um, in visual form is it's an umbrella that you guys, um, bring everyone together so we can make the biggest impact both before and after exposure. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned now that we're on fix app ratings, you mentioned Instagram a while ago, and I think that you guys recently had a meeting with Instagram and I would love to hear more about that. So in July, we were actually able to meet with some policy executives at Instagram and we brought along some of our friends from Courtney's house, which is a drop-in center for sex traffic youth in Washington, D.C., And they came with us so that we could share these concerns about grooming for sexual abuse and sex trafficking and child pornography that are unfortunately pretty prevalent on Instagram. Um, The good news is that while there is still much work to be done, we were really encouraged by the amount of care and concern that Instagram, you know, voiced over these issues while we were meeting with them. And there were some really exciting opportunities for continued dialogue about digital safety and well-being as well as working on collaborative and survivor-informed solutions uh, that we think could be implemented and that they uh, were very encouraging of and gave us a lot of hope for the work that can be done. And, and in fact, there's still some things. I can't go into all the details right now um, as things are being hammered out, but uh, we're still working with them directly as a result of that meeting. Uh, and we're really encouraged by kind of the amount of care and importance that they're uh, placing on these issues. And um, so very excited about that and about the the opportunities for not only the policy uh, at a legislative level, but also at this corporate level of working with these companies and pushing them to to be more accountable and proactive in this fight rather than reactive and just caring about their PR. Yeah, that's love, so encouraging. And I love that you're tackling it from all aspects. Yeah. You know, you're tackling it from the corporate side, like getting in there mm-hmm. at these organizations, but also from a, like you said, um, a legal aspect of it. Like, let's get some more laws in place to make sure our kids are a little safer. Right. Yeah, because we do it in, in, in many other ways, and rightly so, to protect our kids from harmful products. And so, uh, you know, it's it's really a tragedy that it's taken us so long to see that in the age of the Internet and online access. Like, that it's, it, our kids need to be, you know, we need to protect them from certain aspects of it. They're just not 
capable of being able to manage it. It's hard enough for adults. And so why do we pretend like they don't need any safeguards in this arena when we believe that they do when it comes to their physical safety elsewhere? It's the same thing. It's like teaching him to drive a car. Teaching him to be online yep. is like teaching him to drive a car. And mm-hmm. it, it literally has to start years before you give that kid a phone. You have right. to be having the conversations. and, and um, But I love what we're doing. I don't want to get on the preventative piece because I can talk about that. All <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my passion. So I want to stay focused on what you're doing because this is just fascinating yeah. to me. I'm in awe of what y'all are doing. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, Jake, tell us a little bit more about the Dirty Dozen. That's something that um, y'all put out every year. Yeah, that's right. So it it really springboard off of that conversation with Instagram and that, you know, in our world, corporations drive so much of our culture and they influence how people communicate, how people dress, what kind of information we receive. And so we truly believe that when companies make positive changes that stop the promotion or, you know, um, of sexual exploitation in any form, that it has a huge ripple effect that influences countless lives. So with the the Dirty Dozen, what we do is we recognize that there are many well-established brands um, and corporations in America that do facilitate or profit from sexual exploitation. So, starting in 2013, we came up with the annual Dirty Dozen list, and that is our way of publicly calling out these mainstream players in America that are perpetrating sexual exploitation, whether that's through pornography or prostitution, sexual objectification, sexual violence, or sex trafficking. So the Dirty Dozen List is an activism tool that gives power back to individuals, just like you and me and moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and aunts and uncles and just uh, across the U.S. who want to voice in this culture. And so uh, what we do is we put together this Dirty Dozen list, and then we put together for each member on the list uh, a set of actions that they take, everything from emails to social media to phone calls and things like that. And what we've seen is thousands of people uniting and targeting these corporations, such as Google, uh, Hilton Worldwide, Verizon, Walmart, even the Department of Defense, and seeing real change uh, impacted as these corporations are, are inundated with messages and uh, against specific policies, and we've seen them actually take, you know, make their companies less exploitive and put in policies in place that protect people. That's awesome. One other thing I wanted to ask you about specifically, because we're running out of time, and I feel like there's so much we could cover here. Um, this past spring, you guys also did a child-on-child sexual abuse conference. Um, kind of brought together researchers. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Because we are seeing an increase in that and other preventative organizations that we work with are also seeing an increase. And we think it's always, it's typically linked to pornography, like an early exposure kid and they watch it so much and then they want to act it out and brothers and sisters and friends are around. And then we're seeing this huge rise in it in, in good families, like good, solid families this is happening in sometimes. Um, can you talk about that two-day conference? We, we've only got a couple minutes left, but can you tell us about that a little bit? Sure, yeah. Um, so in March, we did a, a national symposium on confronting this rise on child and child harmful sexual behavior. And so we brought together, in collaboration with the National Catholic School of Social Service, this, and there was over 350 people that came. It was great. And uh, the idea is that um, again, we need to to collaborate better to, to understand 
how these different aspects uh, impact each other so that we can create a solution that's tailored to the problem. Mm-hmm. Because our, our judicial and mental health in them, uh, systems tend to treat these problems um, with an adult mindset rather than a, tri- a child mindset. And so what we want to do is bring together is uh, these policymakers, these medical professionals, educators, and more, so that we can look at how we help and heal these victims and uh, perpetrators because we understand the, the reasons that these um, harmful and problematic sexual behaviors come up, whether that's because kids were victims of abuse themselves or neglect um, or have been exposed to this pornography at a really young age. And so uh, we want to make sure that we're not just putting some turnkey adult-based solution in place, but instead tailoring the solution for the kids and the, the realities they're facing. So that was you know, the, the, the purpose behind the conference, the symposium that we did, and, and the continued work that we have going forward. And you can, uh, if anybody's interested about learning more on that, we actually have a whole section of our website on that. If you go to nsexualexploitation.org and search for child-on-child or child-on-child abuse. And that's the website to learn more about Nicosi in general. Um, that's right. Which we really just touched the surface. We could probably do 10 shows. But Jake, um, our time is out. But thank you so much for spending time with us and educating us and showing us a little bit more of how we can learn about you and what y'all are doing to fight against sexual exploitation. Yeah, we really appreciate you guys having us on and we look forward to continuing the conversation and continuing the movement toward a world free from sexual exploitation. Great. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, bye. Thanks for joining us on Next Talk Radio with Mandy and Kim on AM630, The Word. You are not alone trying to figure out how to parent in this digital world. We are here with practical solutions to help you. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find our video series and podcast at nexttalk.org. Are you ready for the next talk? Next Talk.